It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air. With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain. We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. You're listening to Music City Gold. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. I'm your host, Kyle. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, guys. Boys, first round of the playoffs are over. And let me tell you, there were some upsets. And our brackets are kind of in shambles. I think the last time I checked, we're about whoa, three whoa, points whoa, from each other. Yeah. Whoa, speak for yourself, yeah, Kyle. I wouldn't speak say shambles. We can, we can go over this. But Kyle's maybe in shambles, but... Uh, I am three points behind both of you. Well, you well, said the key word there, behind. Hold on, hold on. Possible points, though. I would like to point out, Matt and I are dominating in that category. So, yeah. we'll, we'll get there. It's just a slow burn, you know. Matt and I have basically the same bracket. <laughs> yeah. I mean, great minds think alike this year, but... Uh, yeah, you already burned some of your bridges, Kyle, early with, uh, you know, Nashville and Washington, Washington and, and, you know, so Panthers. Pan- yeah. Yeah. It, your possible points is way lower. So you hold the phone on that one. However, though, Matt, I think your wife is doing better than all of us. Yes, Kyle. Once again, I don't know how she does it, but she is on the top slot as far as the uh, bracket this year. Again, she finished last year number one. And I did a little uh, group chat video. I was showing you guys. I had my jersey on. I'm watching the game. I was like, here's where the hockey players are. You could see me intently staring she's at the game. And I pan Facebook. over to my wife, and she's you know got the hockey game on in the, in the living room. And instead of watching the hockey game, she's sitting on the iPad watching some show with her headphones plugged in. I was like, this is the mind that brought you last year's winning bracket right here. And she's not even watching the game. So... I don't know. She's on top again this year. I don't know well, how she does it. As I said, she's winning right now for points-wise, but that said, now, because Toronto, spoiler alert, got yeah. knocked out, that was her championship pick. So, because of that, now Matt and I are looking a lot better, actually, because we we have the highest total possible points, if that makes sense. I'm actually going to pull it up right now. So, so my I think my wife is in second place, too. Yes, yes she the picked Canadians, uh, Canadians yeah. yes, and that propelled her up a little bit. So, well, here, here's the deal. So, it is Emily and Chelsea at first and second with 50 six and 40 points respectively but their total possible points is 181 and 140 where matt and i have 308 possible so yeah. almost double so i think i have 175 possible no you're actually at 205 because you still have a couple of decent pa- colorado is what's really going to propel our brackets if that makes sense we all picked colorado to win so live and die baby um so that said uh you know We'll see. Colorado has to keep performing, though, for you to, to kind of claw your way out of the basement here, Kyle. I think they are. And that's a great, I guess, talking point into the first round of the playoffs. So Colorado, of course, gets the sweep over the St. Louis Blues. We know it wasn't going to be a problem. Benji was going to complain. But I don't think anybody expected the beatdown that Vegas got from Colorado. Oh, yeah. So you're talking about round two now. Now, this is a matchup everybody was looking forward to. Colorado and Vegas. And as you mentioned, Colorado swept round one. So they had like a week off. I was wondering how that was going to affect them. Because Vegas went seven games in their series. And yeah, I'm exactly the same way as you. It's like, I really am interested to know some teams prefer 
to stay uh, playing so they don't have any rust. Huh. But it, it's kind huh. of the opposite, too. You don't want to have so much playing time that you're exhausted, and you don't want to have so much rest that, that, that you're too rusty. And, and I don't know what kind of combination it was, but let me tell you, Bruh. that Colorado absolutely dummied Vegas. That was the, <laughs> that was the biggest beatdown I've seen ever, probably in the playoffs. And, and, this, and we're talking about the two best teams in the league, number one and number two, President's Trophy, and number two in the league, and Colorado just destroys Vegas in game one. You could say, well, Vegas was tired. I don't think so. I, you could say, well, Robin Lander started to give Flurry rest. I, you know, combination of what it was, but what I did see was an absolute beatdown where Colorado got seven goals. Let me just say, first of all, Wild, great job in round one. I had actually picked them in seven. Just that was my upset pick. They almost pulled off the upset in that, they did. In that first round. Yeah. Kudos to the Wild. Took them to seven games. Vegas was definitely the better team in that uh, we knew that coming in. That was a really long shot pick for Matt and I, but almost panned out. That said, they got throttled. Like, I'm watching this game, and it's literally like the junior varsity team just getting destroyed because there was parts of this game that Colorado was five on five, and I could have swore it was a power play. Like, it, the passing was so crisp. They were so much more energetic. Their power play, okay, let me put it like this. There was like a 10 minute power play to end this game, and like Colorado took their foot off the pedal. Like, no joke, took their foot off the gas pedal, and it's 7-1 to one at this point. This game could have been like 10-1, to one, and then the one goal that Vegas scored, by the way, was on a no-call penalty. He reverse hit, I can't remember who it was, in front of the net. He's bleeding and literally down on the ice, and then they score a tap-in goal. And I'm like, that's the one goal that Vegas got. Honestly, Colorado looks impressively good right now. We're not going to get into all that. Like we'll get into the North Division right now, but this is Colorado's series to win. Colorado has a clear path to the championship in my mind at this point. Um, I, I mean, they just look like they are on another level. They are locked in. They're fresh. Um, look out! Look out! Any team on this side of the bracket because uh, I, I mean they're coming. And, and let me tell you, McKinnon too. For, there's been a lot of that debate with like Connor McDavid, McKinnon, who would you want on the team? Hmm. I'm just going to say playoff McKinnon is next level though. And, and you cannot deny it because that game too, I, there was one breakaway too. Matt and I were watching the game at the same time and Matt just literally said, oh, I have to stop and just <laughs> put the remote down because it was so pretty. It was just like this beautiful breakaway. He has that closing speed, kind of like slowed down at the end and just did a nice little cheeky chip shot over Leonard's glove because he knew he dropped low and you're just like it was so easy that game that it yeah Colorado is that dominant right now I, I mean it's impressive but Flurry should have started game one sorry well well I actually like the decision to to sit Flurry if you're going to sit him to rest him he's a veteran he needs some time I get it they just played seven if you want him to go the distance in the playoffs you got to rest your veterans and game one was the time to do it and honestly you know Leonard's pretty good. I mean, he's he's rusty. He hasn't played much lately. It's been Flurry's Flurry's net, but Leonard's pretty good. Uh, you couldn't tell it by game one. <laughs> As you're watching the game go, you're like, okay, they got four or five goals. Like my wife was looking, she was like, man, they need to sit him and, and tell Flurry to come back yeah, in. And no. I said, no, just let the game. The game is already over. Let Flurry get his rest. Let him watch this beat down and get a chip on his shoulder and come into game two pissed off because you're going to only see Flurry from now on. I bet because. Now that you recognize how good Colorado is, that was your only shot at resting Flurry. And if you can't get it done 
in seven games, then you can just rest on the golf course after Fle- this is over. Flurry might have made one or two more saves, one of those goals, but, well, but I'm telling you, it wouldn't have mattered. Like, I, I, I don't know. Vegas, uh, sorry, Colorado was really good, but Leonard did look noticeably rushed. He was flailing around like a schoolboy out there, like constantly from crease to crease, diving back and forth. He he looked really bad in And their net. defense looked gassed. Yeah. Do you know how many times and, like they just collapsed? Like it was like they just started slowly because their passing was so crisp. It was like this. It was like all of the, the, the perimeter just kind of started crumbling in because they would get so tired. Yeah. I, I mean, well, there was nothing and, they could do. And, you know, Vegas gets more tired than others because Vegas is really the hardest hitting team in the league. They have the most hits out of any team. And, and if Colorado is going to capitalize, they're going to do it in transition on a tired, you know, unit on the back end in which they did. All the team that Colorado is noticeably good through the transition zone, or I'm sorry, through the neutral zone on transition, and they really make Vegas pay. And I've noticed that uh, multiple games this year. I'm watching the playoffs, and I'm thinking, I cannot believe how fast the game has gotten. These teams are incredibly fast. Watching Carolina, watching yeah. Colorado, the game is is incredibly skilled and fast. I cannot believe the skill in the league nowadays. Almost, it's like the goalie doesn't have time to see the puck because it's getting redirected and tipped in front. They're getting screened. Like, how how are these kids this good these days? Kale McCarr, oh my lord, yeah, he, he was carving people up in that game too. Him and McKinnon, I, I like. I'm sorry, I think Kale McCarr had his first four point night. Correct. I, I mean, th- this is an incredible stat sheet. McKinnon has now seven goals for the playoffs too. He's only played five games. Yeah, he he's on fire, and like let me tell you, that's been the, Colorado's big sticking point is uh, the last couple of years is they have not had good goaltending. Grubauer is now giving them decent goal goaltending, a little more than decent uh, as of today's news. Actually, well, uh, we'll argue that in a minute because he has a ton of wins on his resume. But no, Grubauer really has been phenomenal. And then on top of it. You have all of your defensemen maturing. You have Kale McCarr, Samuel Gerrard, who have really Who's looked matured. really good. Yeah, they've all matured because you got to think it's been a process for them the last couple of years. Those defensemen were rookies, so now they've matured. The last two, three, you had all the playoff experience from a couple of years ago. So now those defensemen are young, energetic, puck moving forward. I mean, it, it, it's it's crazy watching them. They they're the most complete team right now. Yeah, by by and- far. We haven't even mentioned they they are scorching like forty nine percent on the power play oh, right now. Yeah, them and li- the Lightning. It, it like you do not want to take a penalty against yeah. one of those two teams right now. It, it's it's hard it enough is, to beat them five on five, much less special teams getting involved. Scary bad right now. This, like I said, not only a game like that. Yeah, that was that was dominant. But what makes it more impressive to me is because Vegas is the second best team. Like I said, I keep going back and saying it over and over, but this is the most dominated, the most dominating performance I've seen in years. I cannot think of a more dominating game than that we watch in game one. Like I said, too, with the 10 minute penalty towards the end of the game, they took the Bro, gas they pedal. Took, they took the gas pedal off, too. And I'm like, this game could easily yeah, be 10. They had 10 to zero. An eight minute straight power play. It was just, and they were, and they were just like kind of like whatever with it. You know what I mean? Like they had the B unit out. Like you and, could tell they were like, and Ryan Reeves got a two-game sussy for uh, some uh, his usual antics on the yeah. ice there. That's not going to help them out going forward. But that was just the frustration setting in. You know, you knew that was bound to happen. Yeah. Colorado's operating at a 47.1% on the power play. And Tampa Bay is at 39.1%. I don't know if those levels are sustained for those two teams, but <laughs> you do not want to take penalties right now against those two. 
it makes you wonder if those are going to be the two teams that are going to meet in the Stanley Cup final. I, I, honestly, that's what I was thinking earlier today. Those are the two teams in my well, mind right now. You can argue Boston a little bit, but they have wavered. But here's the deal, though. They lost the other night, and they're still showing chinks in the armor because they are very reliant on Pasta and Marchand. And if one of those two, here's the deal. If one of those two are not doing anything on the night, it's bad. And you noticed that the other night. Yes. uh, Everybody loves, you know, I talk about Marchand all the time. He's having a freaking excellent year. Also, kind of sneakily, is Tuka Rask now has the best playoff save percentage all time out of goalies that had played more than 75 games. You know, he grew some criticism last year when he didn't want to get in the bubble. But uh, I think all the Boston fans out there will kind of realize this is the best Boston's looked in years. And I've heard a couple of people calling them, uh, put, betting them to go to the finals this year. So it really oh. wouldn't be surprising. But they did lose uh, in overtime. That last, was it last night or the night yeah. before? Let's jump over to that series really quick. So, one thing that was pretty impressive was the Islanders coming out of the Penguin series, four to two. Um, and I know, actually had Pittsburgh beating the Islanders. I, I did too. And here's the deal: Trotz is just a wizard in the first round. What are they saying since like what 2013? He's like seven and zero in the first round or something. Like it's unreal how good Trotz is in the first round. Um, Varlamov has been really good in net for them too. Um, they definitely play that more defensive style. Yeah, and it's noticeable. But that said, I, I mean, they came in, they beat the Penguins in the round, round one, four to two, thanks to Tristan Jari being absolutely garbage. Yeah, like he got scouted high glove side, and and uh, they made him pay for it. It Dude. makes it makes you wonder with Tristan Jari because you remember it was oh, Flurry and Matt Murray, and then they got rid of Flurry and they bring in Murray because they thought they had a competent backup with Jari. And then, <laughs> and it seems like since then it's been just went downhill from there. Now Murray is not in the picture, and now they start Jari, and Jari looked horrible. He had the turnover in overtime, yeah, and they lost the game. That that was a game losing turnover, and like he literally shot it right at the person, and it was in the slot, and they scored immediately. And I'm like, ooh, like Pittsburgh fan, like I can't wait for the off season. For Pittsburgh to just try to burn the whole ship down because you know there's going to be some stuff going down there because they're going to want to they're going to want to ship Jari up they're going to want Flurry like it's going to be it's going to be hilarious in the off season but that said kudos to the Islanders Barry Trotz again finds a way gets through that one and then we go over to the Boston series where Boston handily beat the Caps four to one just that hurt smoked them out of there like Matt was saying. Marchant Pasto was phenomenal in that yes. first year. He he tore up the caps. So that said, I think that is going to be the one sticking point for me for Boston is can Pasta and Marchant sustain this pace, really? Because th- those are the two players that they're relying on. And that last game, even though Marchant scored one, you could tell that they have to score multiple times in the game for them to be relevant. Because the Islanders still took a game Away, they they won a game on the road too. That's that's yeah, the big thing. That's the first that's time a- Boston's lost at home this postseason too. Was that overtime? So I, I'm gonna say like I like Boston, but at the same time in the series they need to be careful because Trotz knows that they are very reliant on Marchand and and Pasta, and he is going to do everything defensively possible to keep them at bay, and also probably limit penalties too because Boston's power play has been smoking hot too. I think they're at 34 percent. So. Um, Absolutely killing it right now. Yeah, I'll say that Boston, you know, they, they're kind of top heavy. When they're clicking, they're clicking. And, yeah. and that's that's a huge bet when you, you know, we're going to 
talk about Toronto in a minute. And they're like the opposite story, though. When you when you make a team that top heavy and they don't click, you you know you fall massively short. So things are clicking for Boston. We'll see how long they can keep up the pace. Hopefully everybody stays healthy. But another thing, we'll uh, I'll mention real quick. You notice. So what did it take? Five games for the Capitals to lose. The Blues got swept. That's the last two out of the last three Stanley Cup uh, winners that got handily beaten in the first round. Yeah, uh, I think that's pretty interesting. I don't know how much uh, juice Tampa Bay has, and they at least look a lot better than the other two teams. But uh, it seems to be perhaps the year of the underdogs. I, I don't know. Well, speaking of some more underdogs <laughs> and sweeps, there's one sweep that I did not see coming. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Like, absolutely just blew my mind that this team got swept. I mean, if you had told me... And Matt's like already juggling. Well, first of all, the, the North Division right now has just been an absolute show. I, it's I, been a I tire mean, fire. Like, like, literally just throw it out there like... No one wants to be in this North Division right now. No one wants to win because the Jets swept McDavid and Dreisaitl. Oh, AUL. Yeah, there it goes. There it goes again. A top-heavy team when, they, when they're not clicking, when no they're defense. being able to shut down. Zero defense. Okay, I'm watching one of the games. I'm sorry. I think it was they were up 4-1 to one going into the third, and in five minutes, they got scored on three yeah. times and they had two goals in 16 seconds and I'm on the couch and I'm like like for, when they that scored was game that, three yes game three they literally I, I was sitting there and I'm just like they scored the one to get it within one and I'm like they are falling apart right now like they could not do anything all the momentum sh- swapped over and then 16 seconds later they scored again and I'm like oh they're gonna lose this game in overtime because there was three minutes left and sure enough like two minutes into overtime hammered absolutely got hammered and like you could see it on McDavid's face like he is so frustrated. I mean, they said, imagine being McDavid, signing a $100 million contract and still being depressed. <laughs> playing, playing, making $100 million. But no joke, no joke, they got swept in the first round. Look at it. Connor McDavid has got five years left in his contract. Each year, he's making $12.5 million with Drysaddle, who's got four years remaining now, at eight point five. You tell me if both those players are going to stay in Edmonton now. I think that this offseason we could see maybe one or two of them move. Two best player point wise in the league the last the league. three, four years. And somehow that GM could not string together a competent, like literally a comp, uh, like just give me a defenseman. Give me a single goalie. You know what I mean? Like wh- no competence so, at all on defense. Like literally none. I, I don't even understand it at this point. We could draw some criticism. You you mentioned earlier, it was probably off the podcast, actually. We're talking about how Forsberg is kind of streaky. You could say, well, it was, what did that top line to Dreisaitl and McDavid? Were they just not clicking? Were they off? I really think you have to. So McDavid only scored one goal. Dreisaitl had two goals, all series. But I really think you have to give some credit to the Jets, uh, the Jets blue liners who really was yep. able to shut down that line. They know what uh, what matchups they wanted on the ice, and they really made it happen. And yeah, I'm sure that's frustrating, and you expect more out of a player who's making you know however many twelve mil or something. But uh, really, credit to the Jets; they knew what they were looking for, and that's that's the danger, that's the fallacy with such a top heavy team. Is they're a one trick pony, and if it's not clicking. Well, it's going to be a long series. And that's my thing with Boston that scares me. Is like if if you can get the right pairing to shut certain players down, I think it's the same similar situation to the Oilers. 
I mean, but look at some of this. Like, oh man, this has got to be painful for some people to to, to look at. James ne- Neal is on this team at five point seven five million, and he's a scratch. Yeah, Kyle Turris is also on this team. By the way, you remember Kyle Turris? Oh yeah, we got rid of him. We're still paying some of his contract. He's over here at one point six five million, also a scratch. They took a gamble on him. Like, not very good as far as. Basically, the pickups for the GM here. I, I, I mean, they are wanting Ken Holland fired for sure. Like they, they've been wanting his head for several years, and at this point, I don't know what to do. Gretzky's now out. Yes, that is that is huge news. Gretzky stepped away. He said, "See ya." Ed said, "It's a, it's bad when Gretzky's leaving Edmonton." Boys. He joined TNT. Yes, and that was apparently a surprise. He was. Uh, they were trying to get him done a deal with some other broadcast network, and the deal fell through. And apparently, the people close to Gretzky said that he wasn't. They didn't think he was going to do the deal with with TNT, and he did. So I think that's going to be very interesting. Uh, so him leaving Edmonton wasn't just a uh, I'm tired because Edmonton sucks. He actually has a plan to uh, become a uh, dabble his toes in the broadcast network. So. Yeah. Well, I think that you will see some changes in Edmonton because looking at their uh, sheet here at Cat Friendly, over two thirds of their lineup is either in UFA or RFA yeah. status for this coming year. Yeah, yeah they're going to be, be the new Ottawa. Nobody's going to want to play there. And and McDavid needs to take note. I know he's he's taken. You know, he's got a huge salary, but now he's got salary in the bank. He can afford to go play for a team that doesn't suck. And I.e. just like why I'm glad Taylor Hall is finally on Boston because he's a similar talented young man who's finally you know, six or seven years later, getting to play for a team that doesn't suck. But here's the question. Who can afford taking $12.5 million oh, on their cap? Uh, I don't know. Like, there would have to be probably some sort of retention. But, like, n- that's the thing. Are the Oilers going to want to do that? No. They've I already mean, got enough dead money on their yeah, books. But, it's, it's, but, yeah, Elliot Friedman the other day said he didn't expect the cap to raise for five years, which, uh, if that's true, then teams are going to be really scrambling to try to make uh, – their players fit that they're going to have to resign. I see, and that like that's the funny thing is I don't think it's going to be that drastic. I could see two, maybe three max. Well, he said it had something to do with the players repaying money back to the league for you know blah blah blah. I don't know whatever reasons, yeah. but that that's that's going to be a dire situation for teams that are in, in need of space if that's if that's going to be true going forward. It sounded dramatic to me. Well, yeah. we're doing a broadcast here, but uh, yeah. We'll see. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that's why I was thinking like two, three years, maybe. Like that, that's, that's that, just what the guy says. So. Yeah, I, I, I'll believe it when I see it in like two, three. Because here's the deal: like once everything starts opening back up and all the revenue starts coming back in again, like you know, yeah, things th- could they change. Can re- that they can might reevaluate. Be, that might it. be what they're looking at now. But once things start opening up, you might be right. Things yeah. might change again. Well, I mean, like heck, if you think about it too, like not to jump over to the Pred series, but the present Canes basically almost had full capacity, and yeah. probably like so, like. Yeah, you know, that's that's really good revenue wise for the NHL and for those organizations like the Preds and the Hurricanes. So that said, I I think it's a little bit more bleak than what they're letting on to. But also, oh man, also staying in the north, Steve Dangle somewhere is is crying because last night <laughs> he's probably last, still live streaming his reaction last, to what happened last night. Last night. The Montreal Canadiens come back from a 3-1 series deficit <laughs> to beat the, the, the Leafs, who are now 0-8 in, in clinching opportunities for a series since 2013. Best tweet of the night was the Atlanta Thrashers account. 
said <laughs> that, that they basically had the same amount of <laughs> wins since I think it was 2004 as the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I'm like, man, that, that is brutal. Like, yeah, that's like absolutely brutal. Like the, the Maple Leaf fans now have a 54 year cup drought. Congrats. And you also stacked your team. And guess what? That's also another top heavy reliant line. And guess what? They got shut down again or they didn't show up. So what do you do at this point? <laughs> what you do is every time the Leafs get eliminated, you pass around the photo that says, Happy Leafs Elimination Day. Bro, my favorite one was, it said, uh, here's a highlight reel of, of uh, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner in the playoffs, and it was a 10-second clip, and then it went, literally it was showing it, and then goes, thanks for watching. At the very, like, right after the intro, I was like, uh, I was done. I was literally dying on the couch, because I'm just like, it, it's true. Like, they were terrible. All their stars did not show up. But here's the question. You've got this young GM in Kyle Dubas. He's done pretty much everything he can to make this team productive. What do you do at this point? Well, you know, I think even Steve Dangle said that if he, what could he change if he had changed anything? And they, everybody, all the Toronto fans are like, man, we've had, this is the best roster we've I ever know. had. I know. You know, uh, Austin Matthews was Rocket Richard trophy winner this year, but you had a couple unfortunate incidents. You had, uh, who was it, Marner? Was it Marner or was it... Uh, John Tavares, first of all, got hit and was out for the series because yes, of the, the that was, very yeah, scary Yeah, we can't incident. forget that. That was massive. You took a knee to the head from Corey Perry. I don't think we've mentioned that on air yet. No. And he's out for the series, which is devastating because he's the, one of the, he's their top guy. And then you had Jake Mudgeon go out after game six as well, and he's like their best defenseman. So the team's kind of falling apart. Plus, you have your guy... Mitch Marner took an. He, they lost the game because he takes another delay a game penalty and they score on it. That's apparently, if you look at his playoff record, he's had six penalties in the playoffs and five out of the six have been delay of the game, uh, puck over the glass. Yeah, the I saw zone. Freeman said somebody sent him a message about that. And it was like one of the oddest playoff stats ever. Like, first of all, I'm just looking at this roster and I'm like, how in the world did this roster lose? Like, I mean, seriously. Yeah, Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Mitch Marner, William Nylander. You have, I, I, I mean, it blows my mind. Nick Fogliano. You have, I, I, I mean, I, this blows my mind. Jason Spezza for seven hundred thousand dollars and Jumbo Joe at seven hundred. You got bargain players too, just because they were wanting a cup. And guess what? They still didn't get it. I, I, I don't know. I, I, and that's the funny thing is looking at this roster. It's like, I, I don't know what you do differently. <laughs> like I think the problem is I don't think Austin Matthews is a clutch player and that's that's the issue. No, he's not clutch. And he, he's kind of your guy, you know, you're betting on him. Yeah, you got a couple other pieces there with you. You know, Nylander's not helping out. Uh they want to trade Marner. I I've been seeing Marner floating talk talks about trading him because he, you know, he's got he signed through the uh 24-25 season at 10.9 mil. And don't forget, just for kicks, they still owe uh, Phil yes. Castle $1.2 million for the next two years. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Like, that's the funny thing about the Leafs conundrum, is when I'm looking at their, their roster and their lineup, they look, yeah. I, I mean, on paper, this, they should have won a yeah, cup the last two, three years. They're a one seed, bro. I mean, the they're last a, they're two a great years, They should have won a cup. But for some reason, they choke. Well, here's the thing, you know, I love to root for my underdogs, and Toronto is a perennial choker. Uh, yeah, they got a good team on paper. They're a one seed. I don't care. They 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 choke in the playoffs. 
You've got Carey Price and the opposing netminder who in winner-take-all games is a 9-4-1 save percentage all time. Like, and, and you've got a scrappy team in the Canadians who's getting depth scoring, and they're, they're going to take it to Toronto. They want it hard. Both franchises have been in a drought for a while. Yeah. And you let it go to Game 7. you got some momentum going for Montreal. And here's another stat we haven't mentioned. You talked about how bad Toronto is in in series clinching games. The irony of it is that they're seven and one at home in Game Seven. So <laughs> it's a contra- contradiction there. And you know, it's funny too. And that kind of like kind of wraps up the series. That's just how Toronto is in a nutshell. It's a contradiction. Well, kind of to your point too. Like they gave the the Canadians just a little bit of breathing room, like light. And they took it. And here, and that was funny because like some people were like, oh, Carey Price stole the series. Well, when you dig into the numbers, Carey Price was very good, but he wasn't like off the charts, like shut out every single game. Yeah. And the funny part is I went on to like moneypuck.com just to see some of like their, their advanced metrics and get this. So by the end of the series, you know how they have the de- deserve to win meter where it actually shows you like all the metrics as far as the goaltending and like everything aggregated together as who should have won. The Canadians actually overtook Toronto by like I think it was fifty three percent to forty seven percent by the end of the series. Now that wasn't that was not the case at the beginning. And the problem was too they let them get back in the series. That was the problem. Is like they just gave them a little bit of light and they took it and ran with it. And then honestly, I think after after they went up three one and then they lost that game, making it three to two. Dude, I think it was a mental thing because in the back of their minds they're like, oh my. We can't, you know what I mean? Like, it was almost like... You start trying too hard. Trying too hard. I think they got in their head a little bit. You're gripping your stick just a little tighter because after that loss where it made it 3-2, the Toronto fell off a cliff. Like, they they just did not look like a good team. Like I said, it was one of those, they let them get in the series and sure enough, the Canadians capitalized and man, mentally, they just crumbled. I well, absolutely you know, crumbled. After after the thing with Tavares getting hurt and then who is Muzzin gets hurt, that's two out of your four or five best players that are off the ice. And I was curious, I think it was Toronto won, I guess it was two games in a row after uh, Tavares got injured. And I was like, well, I know that's it's, the it's thing. interesting how the team could maybe champion the idea of let's go get it for our guy who's hurt. You saw Detroit did that in years past. They got a guy who gets injured. Well, let's let's take that as a chip on our shoulder, and let's go bring home a cup for our guy. And Tavares is their captain. He's their big guy. But So Toronto was able to do that for, for a game or two. But in the end, honestly, the better team got the better end of the deal. And and that's the way you'd expect it to. Toronto, yeah, it sounded great, and it was poetic and historic, and, but, you know, the better team got the win. But And that's why I'll keep going back to. It's like, it's funny. They still had that devastating injury, and they still won two. And then they get to a, a clinching scenario, yeah. and it was like mental block, boom, clinching. Like as soon as like that clinching game came up, it was like yeah. red alert, red alert. We've I will been say here. we've been here like you know several times before and haven't been able to do it. Like that's exactly what happened in my mind. I will say it's not going to be a popular opinion uh, amongst these people, but Corey Perry had Bro. a critical game seven. He is you know he's like a member of the Triple Gold Club. He's like one of only five people in history to have a certain accolades like with the best of the best. And you don't think of that when you think of Corey Perry, but Corey Perry is pretty freaking clutch, actually. So here's the deal. Perry had decent production for the stars in that cup run last yeah. year. And then they they didn't resign him. And I couldn't believe no one picked him up. And they picked him up for 750K. Yeah, that's a deal. 
Seven hundred fifty k, and you put, you not only beat the Maple Leafs, but you now have maybe a shot of getting your name on a cup. Yeah, I, I don't know. It blows my mind. That was a great pickup by the Canadians. I, I mean, it's it's more than repaid them in what it was worth. I mean, yeah, Perry is is what he is. Okay, horrible human. Whatever, we get it. But at the same time, too, his production in the playoffs has been clutch the last two years, and he's thirty six. <laughs> like that's what I'm saying. He's he's thirty six years old, and he's still producing. He's one of those down and dirty players. He gets in front of the net, and that's what he does. You you know what you're getting with Corey Perry. And sure enough, game seven, he scores on a deflection on the power play, yeah. making it two to zero. And I, I when that went in, I was just like, pack it up, pull the game car over, up. we're done. I was like, this this is ridiculous. Get ready. They're about to do shutdown trap defense. <laughs> and they started doing it. That third period was so boring to watch. But I, I knew it was about to happen. Like it blew my mind. I'm glad Congrats that. Congrats for Canadians. Though. I'm glad that was a decisive game seven. It, it Canadians were on top all the way. They it wasn't were. like a at least a bad deflection didn't decide game seven. No, know? that they won that game. Yeah, I was they, happy they to see that. It kind of put won. it kind of put to bed any question anybody had about who was the better in game seven for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's no doubt. And uh, now I'm looking forward to a hol- and a hilarious Jets and Canate. Uh, you know, Hobbs, abs, baby, Hobbs beat series. the Jets. Who knows? I, I I mean, at this point, it's just funny. I, I just feel like whoever wins this is about to get throttled by um, uh, oh, Colorado. Yeah. So that that's why I said I think Colorado has the like right now. They have a clear path to the the Cup final. I mean, absolutely clear path to the Cup final because it I, I, after that game one throttling of Vegas, if they take care of Vegas in like five games, get ready. Jets or Habs. <laughs> I don't care how like you know. Nice of a run it's been for you. Get ready. Because, like, Colorado is all business this year, and they are meaning it. So, um, now moving down to the south, back home, I will say one team is well on the rise right now, and that has to be the Lightning. Honestly, I think we all picked the Panthers to advance I did. in that first round. Simply because the Panthers had, during the record season, Seemed like they kind of had the Lightning's number just a bit. Yeah, but guess yeah, what? Guess, series, but guess who came back in the playoffs? Stamkos and Kucherov. And Kucherov came off and has been phenomenal. I mean, absolutely phenomenal. Their power play is like at 40% as well, too. It, it, it's absolutely stupid what numbers they're operating at. And I mean, that's sh- great, but I'm surprised that uh, Stamkos and Kucherov haven't got injured again yet. Well, that's the thing. They were injured for the regular season this time. So, guess yeah. what? Role reversal. I think this is the first. I think Kucherov was injured all, maybe all the regular season. He, he and he played his first game in the playoffs, which goals. also helped them on the roster. I'm sorry, on the cap friendly sheet because they got to bury his salary somehow because he was on LTIR. So, now they got a little extra <laughs> roster coming yeah. into the playoffs. And he starts hot. There's no Two goals like, in his first game yeah, back. There's no rusty. No, he, I mean, th- like that's the thing. They came back and fired, and like that's the thing. They beat the Panthers. I, w- I will say in six game series. So Florida made a very interesting decision to start Spencer Knight, who is like, uh, what did he do? The, he was in. Uh, he helped USA. Team Canada, yeah, yeah get gold. He, so he's a junior. junior. And uh, he, as he was starting in game one, I think it was. I forget which game. I, all the games run. You know, they run. I think it was. Uh, he actually got his first win. It was game five. Okay. Well, because game six, the Lightning won. That's right. Well, I just remember seeing him, and I remember seeing him grinning from ear to ear because he's just a kid playing in like a man's world, and you could just see how happy he's just like he's just a kid playing freaking playoff hockey for in the NHL, 
And uh, I just thought that was very interesting. That night, though, they didn't even dress Bobrovsky to be backup. So mm-hmm. I think it's very – Bobrovsky's gone in the offseason or, you know, he's gone. Florida does not want him. And he's a quality goaltender. There's just bad blood there. It goes back from a couple years ago. But they not even putting him backup, that's a statement, bro. $10 million a year they have Bobrovsky sound through the 25-26 season. Yeah. That, I mean, they got a major they problem. Need, they though, need to ship him because, off. But that's the problem is like they're going to have to retain some of that. Like they they went for that big juicy contract. I, I mean, by the way, that is 12% of their total cap. 12.3% of their total cap is in Bobrovsky. <laughs> but here's the thing, so, though. So I, I don't know. I, I It's one of those things like I, I, they're going to have a real tough decision to make. I, I think they might keep him and then obviously let Spencer Knight take more reps, kind of, because he's still on his no, entry-level contract. Goaltending aside, I mean, the Panthers seem like they could hang at times with the Lightning, but they couldn't just keep the lead. But do you think that with the Panthers being in the playoffs, having somewhat of a fight against the Lightning and having a good regular season against them, you think it's kind of made them relevant in the league again? I will say it, it's Coach odd Cube. to see uh, two Florida teams in the first round. That that is that is news to the league. You're exactly, you're exactly right, Kyle. We haven't seen much Florida Panthers in the playoffs. So that is good. That's seeing you're seeing still Florida is a young hockey market, and now it's starting to develop. They're definitely more relevant than they were three or four years ago. So and and it does definitely help that they have Coach Q, who I also give a hat tip to. He dressed five forwards and a power play unit uh, in one of their games, and I was like, "That's what I want to see. That's ultra aggressive." And and honestly, that's the kind of stuff you have to do to try to beat Tampa Bay. You got to capitalize when you get a chance on the power play. You know, now is the time to do it. Let's throw five forwards out there, yeah. and that goes again to my point that just shows how fast the league is getting. Screw defense, baby. We're going hard. We're going transition, and we're going with speed. Unfortunately, you know. Tampa Bay got the better of them, but uh, yeah, Florida was a two seed. You know, they weren't. They didn't just slide in the playoffs. They're a good team. Well, here's the deal: those last two games basically decided their seeding with Tampa. But in contrast to Tampa, Tampa gained two amazing players going into the playoffs. Where Florida lost oh, yeah. right. a player, an amazing player who was on fire going into the playoffs, and that's Aaron Eblag. So yeah. that is a huge oversight. Yeah, that's huge. That was absolutely because he, his production was off the chart too going into like he was having a career season. So that said, I, I think it's almost like a tale of two. It was almost like a reversal. Like for once, you know, the, the Lightning were getting their players back and Florida was losing a key player. And then on top of it too, Florida did commit a ton of stupid, unnecessary penalties. Yeah. And that's, that's what bit them in the butt. I literally said too, like going into the series, the key is stay out of the box. And sure enough, that first game, I was like, Florida, what are you doing? Like, li- literally, Kucherov has two power play goals, like the first game. And I'm like, this is why you have to stay out of the box. And they did not do that because the Lightning are very fast. They pushed the issue. They ended up committing some stupid penalties. And that's that's how the series went, honestly. I mean, that, that, that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> but seeing how the Lightning have played, do you think the Hurricanes stand a chance against them? Because... You know, we'll talk about it in a second. They ended up beating the Preds 4-2. Well, we'll get there, yeah. And, you know, I did pick the Preds. You two picked the Canes. Yeah, and it, al- and it almost flipped. It okay. almost went. Here's the deal. And we can flip over to the Preds. Very proud of the Preds for sticking in the series. Because going into the series, I did not give them. <laughs> I, honestly, I, I did not. I put, what, I picked Canes in five. Well, I'll, I'll say uh, I, I correctly picked Canes in six. Yeah. I um, think it was closer than what a lot of uh, non-market 
uh, analysts were just kind of throwing in the wind. They saw Carolina's a great team. We'll just throw it in five or six without question. It, Carolina was picked unanimously it amongst was. experts. Uh, but, it, you know, we still figured Carolina would win. But I, what my point was is it was going to be a closer series than what people would have thought. And it was because of Soros. I'm sorry. Exactly. Like, Soros came out, and, and here's the deal. There was a lot to be said because Soros hasn't really started in playoff games. In this year. You, you know, like, there was a lot of that going in, like, oh, can he handle the pressure? No, he was phenomenal. Like, just throw it out uh, there. Like He totally proved I, he is the number one goalie for this franchise. He, he was just fine, okay? Like, there was not a problem. If you're able to do... Here's the deal, too. There was one game. It was like 1-0 to zero in Carolina, and the Preds didn't win that game. And I, I said, you just wasted a one-goal road game Again, again, you know what I mean? Like, th- that's a game you got to find the offensive power to win. You know, like, so defensive-wise, he, he was absolutely phenomenal. Now, that said, bottom third pairing got a little toasted because we have some questionable, and we'll talk about the roster stuff. But here's the deal. Overall, I am very pleased with the Preds hanging with one of the best teams in the NHL for for six games and four, the last four games went to overtime. Yeah, I, I mean they, they were all one goal games outside of the first game. They were all one goal games. That is a great series. Yeah, I think the Preds were really lucky to even get in the playoffs compared to where their year started out. And I said it doesn't matter what the outcome of, of round one is because you you ought to be happy you made round one to begin with. And it went to OT. You guys hung with them. It, like you said, Daniel, to your point. Honestly, it's it's on the back of UC Soros. He played. I, he could put him down in the Hart Trophy race this year. He he was incredible. He he made up for the woeful lack of the Predators on and some of the rest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That third pair got torched, which we'll get to in a second. So I, I mean, like that's what I'm saying. Like as a Preds fan, you have to be cautiously optimistic about next year because you were able to hang in there with a team that one you're notoriously bad against potential cup favorite i mean like going into the the playoffs too i i mean and they were what second or third in the league points well i think third yeah, in the league third, so they I were think. right behind uh they were right behind vegas so it's one of those you have to be extremely pleased and not to mention you started a lot of rookies this year a lot of rookies so that said you have to look forward to next year but i will have to put out some glaring glaring questionable decisions especially the third pair defense and also setting Tolvanen <laughs> a and few Fabro. times. And yeah, I, don't even get me started. Like here's the deal. <laughs> setting, setting Tolvanen. Uh, okay. He's still a rookie. I get it. Like he was, his production numbers weren't stellar the last couple games, but here's the deal. He's your number one threat on the power play and you take it away. Yeah, and, and honestly, that's your only chance. You know you can't exactly. hang with Carolina on five-on-five. Five. Yes. So. Yeah, your power play, you have to have something on your power play, and you took away you your took best You took away chance. your best weapon. So, that irked me. And that's a, that's a coaching decision. That's like, you could say, well, Forsberg had a bad game, and that's that's on him. Well, when you don't put your best guy on the ice, that's a coaching decision, and I don't even get it, because you didn't even give him a chance to do good. Well, you are talking about earlier that, Rockos. Matt, you said the NHL is all about speed now. All the games you watch were fast, 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 including the Canes were fast too. It seems like the Preds, instead of trying to fight fire with fire, basically decided to try to get real heavy defense yes. and tried to stop the speed, but they couldn't handle it. Rocco is also sitting too, and he, I think at the time he was like third on our team for goal. I, 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 it, like As a team that's struggling offensively, like I don't know, there was a few, 
Like, why is Brad Richardson in the lineup instead of Ellie Tolvanen or Rocco Grimaldi? I'm sorry, he got torched, by the way. I was looking at all the advanced metrics. Let's not even get started on Gabranson and Ben Harper. Yeah, your they, last. That third line, there was, uh, I think it was game one that we absolutely, that was well, the game that, that was games the with you got destroyed. We got destroyed that game. That was the one game that was not um, a one-goal game. Uh, Gabranson looked like he was nailed to the ice. Aho burnt him probably three or four times that game. And I get it, it's Aho, but at the same time, too, you have a 20-year-old, like a 22-year-old defenseman who played in top four the entire year is sitting on your bench, scratched. Yeah, that, that didn't make any sense. That blew my mind because I'm like, at least get Gubranson or Ben Hopper, like one of the other, needed to go. See, I asked somebody, I said, why in the world do you think Fabro got sit? And the response I got was, is that uh, Carrier outplayed him. Okay, Carrier might have outplayed Fabro, but Fabro definitely outplayed Harpoor or Gubranson. That was my point the entire time. Is well, you cannot make that argument. And when somebody asked the coach after the game why that happened, and he said, "Well, he's, it's sending a message that uh, he's you got a something about uh, you got another guy in waiting who's looking for your spot." And that what kind of answer no. is that, bro? No, well, no. It seems like with Hines all season, anytime the team has had some sort of adversity, and the media who are paid to ask tough questions, he'll be like, "Well, I don't understand that." What's well, like the first two games when we got beat back to back, and somebody asked him, they said how do you think the games went so bad? And he goes, well, I think we were watching two different games. Yeah, we were. No, that first game you got toasted, coach. I'm you sorry. You might think you guys did good, but we got absolutely blown out of the water, so they were bad games. Yeah, that, that was not, that, that first game, that's when it happened. I'm like, mm, no, that that's not, I, I, I don't know. The, the thing is, in my opinion, I think he went with like that grit personality style well, over yeah, the speed, he over the speed, because, yeah. y- and you got to think about that because Tovenin being out, Rocco out, and Fabra, those are more speed type players. And he subs in Richardson, Ben Harper, and like Gubranson, which is like those are bigger, grittier yeah. guys. Which I'm like, my argument was you already had your fourth line as your grinder line, which by the way was fantastic in the fourth round. I loved watching that fourth line. Yeah, they got more starts. Uh, they were the preferred line. Yeah, Janot and uh, Olivier and Sissons were phenomenal. And that, Trenton, too, when he jumped yeah, in there. So, it, I mean, that, that's the thing. It's like it was a continual fourth line was kind of flux, but they were great. And they were the grit. I didn't think we needed that grit also on the, the opposite side, the flip side. I, I didn't understand Richardson being in, like I said, Richardson and basically. Um, Branson or Harper, those were the three that really stuck out for me in the series that needed to, they just needed to be on the bench. I don't know why. I don't know why they played. So here's the question then. Our season's over. What did we do? Like you said, Daniel, we started a bunch of young rookies earlier and we've got some guys that, you know, may or may not be back next season. Some guys are prone to injury. Take Victor Harvison, for example. Speedy guy. But it seems like he's not getting the point that year after year he's starting to get an injury. Do you take a player like him and go, do you think we can get something for him somewhere else? So, oh man, I, and this is where I'm going to get really controversial. So, me too. I'm ready for some hot takes. Yeah, this is going to be this is going to be really hot take. So, before we get to this really hot take, Carolina, Tampa Bay, who do you got in that series? Honestly, I'm I'm leaning towards Tampa Bay at this Tampa point Bay. because they got all their players back and they're firing. I'll take Carolina. I out of all the teams left, and it, it, it's tough for me. Like you guys are, we're Nashville natives, so we root for Nashville. I love hockey. I, I love, love all of the teams. By the way, I want Carolina to win. Yeah, 
I, I wish I think, they would win. I think out of all the teams, I'm rooting for Carolina the most, and I, that's saying something. No, I, I think I'm with you. I like Carolina, but I think Tampa Bay's going to win. Tampa Bay already stole game one in Carolina, by the way. That's the fourth regulation yeah. loss they've had all season. So Tampa is firing on, on all cylinders right now, and that they got their players back. I think they're extremely dangerous. That said, Canes Nation, I hope you guys win. So go ahead. You knocked us out. Anyway, back to the hot takes. Yep. Let's live up to the hot take of our podcast. So, oh man, going into the offseason, it's going to be very interesting because you got to think of, you know, we have several uh, UFAs. Let's pull up Cap Friendly here to, to look at our list here. We, we have a lot of restricted free agents, a lot of restricted free agents. We have a couple of unrestricted free agents that I would like to see re-signed. And then that said, on top of all this, we have a lovely expansion draft coming. <laughs> so you get seven forwards protected, three defensemen, and one goalie. And then, of course, all your uh, ELCs are, are protected. <laughs> well, uh, you only get to protect one goalie. Yep. And, and Rene has a no-move clause, so you have to protect him. Yeah, but Soros is also, I think, on. Uh, is he exempt from that? He, I, I would have to look at that. I don't. I don't think he is. Well, this is his last year, I think, on the one contract that he signed. So I have to look at that. So the way the no movement clauses work, too. Uh, I looked at this today. If the player deems to waive the no movement clause for a certain team or for that expansion team, then he's not automatically in the protected list. Now, if he does claim, sure, yeah. but if he does claim no move, yeah. then you have think, to protect. Yeah, the him. team would have to ask, it, yes. ask him to waive it. Yes. But uh, I, that's not going to happen for Arena. Well, for no. Sure. Which there's more questions concerning him that we've already been over. You know, as far as like resigning or sure. honestly, though, uh, I don't think the Kraken would select a 38 year old <laughs> goaltender. Like, even if he was unprotected, yeah, he, he's not going to get selected. There's plenty of other better options. I'll point. <laughs> Point out. Yeah, I think goalie wise, I don't think we have to worry about Saros getting getting uh, taken to the Kraken. Yeah, we'll they're gonna pr- they'll protect Saros, and then Peck will just won't get selected because he's aged out essentially. Like it'd be a little different if he were three or four years younger. <laughs> um, but then the the role would have been reversed because if had this happened earlier, they would have protected Rene, and then Saros would have been on his entry level. So it just basically flipped. Um, I don't think there's gonna be much concern as far as goalie changing the only thing that i could see would be peck actually retiring and then us calling up like connor ingram or some you know we also have um what's his oh man russian yaroslav askalov uh in the russian league who's been killing it that was our our um our draft pick from last year i think he's still another year or two away from the nhl but he's the heir apparent to soros if that makes sense like the next several years you will start to see him join the lineup as the backup role and then that'll be kind of like, you know, Saros is exempt. The next phase. Yeah. Rule says right here, one goalie who is under, who is under contract in 21, 22, or will be a restricted free agent at the end of his current contract immediately prior to 21, 22. Yeah. So far he is. So like I said, there's not going to be any craziness as far as the goaltenders are concerned. It's basically up to Peck whether or not he wants to return. <laughs> and, I, I, and then we yeah, can go from there. I think uh, if we could take a quick poll, do we think... I think we did this. I don't know if we mentioned on the broadcast. It was about 50 50. As far as Preds fans who thought that uh, Rene was going to come back for one more year or if he was going to go home to Finland and play, I personally think uh, he's going to be done and he's going to go home to Finland. I think he's going to go home too. Yeah, I I, I think he's going home. Oh, 
three for three. It's not a good sign, boys. And I think if he does go home, I think at the beginning of next season, they're going to hang his jersey up. Oh, for sure, bro. He's That's going to be a he's tearjerker. The, he's the first one in the rafters. They're building a statue outside of Bridge. Like, mark mark my words. He is the one, because like, here's the deal. All the usual great franchises have that one player, like Red Wings, Gordie yeah. Howe. He was the base. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he was the foundation for the Red, you know, if, if that makes sense. Peck was the foundation for the Preds. Let's well, just be honest. And, and he, he will be in the rafters. They'll put up a statue. It's gonna, there's not going to be a dry eye in the house when he comes back. I think uh, it's interesting to note, uh, this was brought up recently in a podcast I was listening to about player loyalty. And uh, when you, so Preds are the ones who drafted Pecorine, I forget what year it was, but uh, 2004. He's played his entire career here. And once, once a team shows loyalty to a player and giving them their break, they seem to stay loyal to the team. You know, they say, thank you for giving me that shot. We're going to, or I'm going to play for you, and and it breeds really an honest, healthy hockey culture of love and respect between yeah. player and franchise. And I don't think it's just because Pecorine is good. Pecorine is a very unique situation at the fact that he's only played for Predators. I don't think we've had anybody in Predators history that's been drafted and played only for Predators, except for Pecorine. So I think that's the reason why he means so much to this franchise. And especially for an organization that's leaning towards drafting and uh, bringing up young players in the system, if they can start doing that and bringing in prospects, I think you'll start to develop some player franchise loyalty that will look good going forward. And you'll have players like this who are dedicated to play for them and that will help bring up a culture of hockey here in Nashville. Well, kind of your point too, like you got to think Peck did play his entire career here. And then on top of it, he happens to be the best finished goaltender of all time. Like he's literally a top 20 goaltender all time. Like if you think about it, like that's impressive. So like not only did you get your entire career in one place, you also happen to be the best <laughs> as far as your country is concerned for that organization. Ironically enough, I think Saros is going to pass him too, stat wise eventually. But I, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's, it's, an understatement for what he has done for the franchise. And and that said, like it, it'll get hung up, but so real quick, I guess, you know, that, that would be poetic and nice, but what's good to see is the question we've been having this always Renee Dunn discussion for a couple of years. The thing that's different this year is we're seeing that Soros is ready. So oh, if yeah. Renee does step away, we can handle it. We we can pass the torch and we'll be okay. It's like any good father. He knows when the pass it on to his son. I mean, he, he, he it's like his son. I mean, it's it's almost comical at this point. Like seeing them interact with each other too. It's like, okay, stop. Like we we got enough content with them. It's 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 adorable. We get it. You're both Finnish, and it's like a son. <laughs> so, but going over to the defensemen, so we can pick three defensemen, and I think we're gonna take Roman Yossi. <laughs> and I think we're gonna protect Roman Yossi. I think we're gonna protect uh, Ryan Ellis. I think we're gonna protect Ekholm. Yeah. No. I mean, th- like. That's that's exactly who I was thinking. Um, first of all, Gabranson is um, four million. See ya. Get him I out saw of here. That, I saw that immediately. Like, I'm sorry, four million a year for what you did to us in the playoffs. No, uh, like, and, and you got to be pretty excited too. You have David Fer, uh, Fer. Oh my gosh, David Ference. As far as a entry level contract, we had signed him later in the season, and we haven't seen much of him. He is supposed to be a very offensive, like very high on the list as far as the the top, top prospects go for defensemen. So you have him coming in. Dante Fabro, I dare say, is still on no. this list as an entry level contact. 
You have uh, Jeremy Davies, too. That was also another entry-level contract. You also have Alexander Carrier, who showed that he can play top four. I, I mean, Carrier did well in the playoffs. He did some stupid stuff at times, but at the same time, he was also very solid. Um, so I'm sorry, but I think Ben Harper's probably gone. And Tyler Lewinson, who I've never heard of. Well, here's the deal, too. We also had two defensemen, by the way, that were on injured reserve, and that was uh, Luca Siba, which we didn't. Well, he played like one game, and then we hadn't seen him the rest of the year. And then Mark uh, uh, Burrowecki, which is the Burrow cop, which I did like Mark, but the problem is he also got injured too and was on long-term injury, injured reserve. So that kind of hurt us on that bottom third pair going into the playoffs. Uh, I, I, but I think the defense pair, the bottom three is going to be totally different. You're going to see a lot of changes on that bottom, like with the bottom feeders. If that makes sense, I think the the tough part is you look to gaining quality, and we said at the beginning of the year, I said this is probably the best roster Preds have ever dressed. They look great on paper, but what's frustrating is okay, you've got all these guys who are making millions and millions of dollars, and yet you're fielding your first line, your first pick is your fourth line. Your guys who are making the least amount of money, I, I looked it up, I forget exactly, they're making less than five mil the whole line. And yet you're paying one guy, you're paying two or three guys more than $8 million each. And yet your preferred line is is made up of three guys making less than four or five mil total. I think you can't teach heart and grit. And, and that's what's frustrating. Yeah, It's knowing where to cut the dead weight because if you look at value per dollar, I always look at those gritty guys who are, who are making me less, I'm paying them less than $3 million, And yet they're in the top five, top six in scoring and in points. And you could find the dead weight when people like Johansson or well, Duchesne or Granlund or whoever's he, not, not producing. I think this is where we're going to get really controversial because we, we kind of understand where, where we're at as far as we, where, who we want to pick, you know, protect for the defensemen. Roman Yossi, Ellis, and Ekholm. Pretty, I mean, let's be unanimous. I'm pretty sure we're all at the same conclusion at this table. Sure. Those three are, are, are basically getting saved. But then you go over to the forward section, and this is where it gets super interesting for the Preds because here's the deal. We need offensive talent. And I have mentioned before, I, oh man, I, I said, hey, let's dangle a carrot out here, okay, for the Kraken. <laughs> let's let's leave, i.e., either Joey or Duchesne exposed for the uh, expansion job. And here's the deal. I, I know this is going to be very controversial too. So I started digging into the deep metrics too for like who had the best like expected goals who and get this Matt Duchesne had the highest and by the way he looked really good in the playoff there were several games he was buzzing and Matt and I were watching and I was like this man is all over the ice and then on top of it too there were several dishes that like no one could just finish you know what I mean like his passing was superb and then the funny part is we were giving Joey a bunch of you know crap and then Sure enough, he gets like two or three goals towards the end of the series, and then he starts looking hot. And I'm like, well, now we're in a we're in a pickle here because now both of the two players that you thought you might expose one of them, well, both of them look pretty dang well, good the last couple of games. But a couple my, games is enough. Here's my thing. In my opinion, I would leave Ryan Johansson exposed. That is me. Duchesne has shown that he is the more dangerous player. He's the better passer. And he's more creative. And the, the advanced metrics show it. Well, and he's a <clears throat> special value. Centermen have a unique slot, and he, he is one of the highest skilled centermen in the league. But 
I think if you're looking to my perspective, uh, you're going to find really quickly that I owe almost no loyalty to almost anybody on the roster. I'm I'm a fan of blowing it all up from Johansson, Duchesne. I could I can consider RV. I could consider yeah. Ekholm. I could consider Yossi. I could consider Hines. Like I'm for making moves for people that fit shipping off the dead weight. Grandland is definitely out of there. Uh, no. No, Grandland Grandland performed incredibly well. At three point seven five million. Honestly, if you could re-sign him for like four and a half or five, that would be incredible. Okay. And maybe remember, I, maybe I'm thinking tried, of remember uh, he tried free agency last year. Remember couldn't he nobody. couldn't get oh, that's anybody. Right, that's right. I'm thinking but, actually I was thinking of Hollow, honestly. Oh no. Okay, here's the deal. Uh, let, let's start with it. So out of the two, Matt, if you leave one exposed, Joey or Duchesne? Which one do you leave Johansson. exposed? I'm doing Johansson. I said Johansson. even as soon as he got signed yeah. for eight mil per, I was like, that's that's yeah. ridiculous. That, that's that's where I'm at. Now, I'm still protecting Philip Forsberg. Now, here's the deal. And Kyle mentioned this point, and I talked about this earlier. Victor Arvidsson has gotten banged up the last two years. He's barely played the last two years. And like I understand you signed him for a juicy $4.25 million. Okay, that is a great bargain for what he was producing. But the problem is... Last two seasons, his production has literally yeah. taken a nosedive because he has been getting absolutely killed, and I think the injuries are catching up with him. Like, I think this is a thing that you might actually leave him exposed. Like, honestly, and that blows my mind saying that because I, I was all for the Arvidsson signing. He has been phenomenal. He's been a key part of the organization, but you cannot argue that the injuries have not taken a toll over the last year and a half in particular. When he got cross-checked by Bortuzzi and the neck. That sees it. That's it. He has tailed off since then big time. I think this is the part where you have to start realizing that hockey is also a business. Well, and just because the fans enjoy certain players, you're also in it to win it. Exactly. And and I think that's really where my perspective lies, is the people that I have the most uh, potential to leave if I'm a GM is the ones that are commanding the most uh, salary because I need to find room in the in the salary books and and I, I'm a businessman. I like to uh, make the bottom dollar, make ends meet. And I'm looking. And how you how you make the most room is is you ship off the players who are worth the most. So leaving a guy like Johansson exposed or possibly Duchesne, that's how you're going to make the most the most available room. Yeah, I think Joey. I honestly, I think I would leave Joey exposed at this point. But like looking down this roster, I would totally resign Mikhail Granlin. Uh, he he had such great production. He's looked phenomenal. He was great in front of the goal. Very clutch uh, in the playoffs, too. Uh, I'm re-signing him for sure. First of all, Colton Sissons, I didn't even realize this. First of all, what a bargain right now for Colton Sissons. He is signed through the 25-26 season for 2.8 mil. Yeah, Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, he was taking, taking face-offs again, boys, <laughs> ever since 2017. He was winning. He was win- I mean, he is yeah. clutch in the face-offs. I, I'll say, I, I actually thought Sissons was fairly good uh, in, the play, in the first yeah, round here. Luke Cunnins at 2.3. Rocco's at 2 mil. Callie Yarncroft. First of all, two million. Talk about budget player. Budget player who all should not be leading our goal production. Yes. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, all for budget. That, like, that's what I'm talking Callie about. Callie Yarncroft is phenomenal. Like he's not going anywhere. I'm sorry. Like this is incredible. So you have Eric Halla two, and Nick Cousins. So Nick Cousins was actually signed to a two year, one point five million dollar deal. Nick Cousins actually was pretty clutch in the playoffs. I'm not gonna lie, and he started picking up towards the end. He's pretty clutch, but he's going to probably still be exposed well, in the expansion draft. I think, yes, I he, think will, he was clutch because your top-level guys weren't doing anything, so you, you had a couple scrappers trying to get something going Here's here. the deal. He'll be exposed, but are they going to pick him over, like, 
Joey you, you or never know. Well, it Who depends. Knows? If the cap stays tight, it depends hey. on how much room you have in the budget. He's a value player. I mean, you got to we'll see. It's going to be very interesting. I really like uh, the way Vegas approached it was they took one high dollar guy in, in Flurry and made a franchise player out of him to get him some uh, name recognition and then went value budget players from everybody else, which at the time, everybody who was being exposed was kind of a value option because they were low on the dollar. That's why they were left exposed. Yeah. Yeah, but, but this year, uh, the GMs are going to play a little differently. A lot of them got fleeced. Yeah and, yeah, and here's the deal, too. And once we start getting down to this low rent, you're going to start to see actually kind of the very good genius behind us starting so many rookies this last year because they're all protected. Okay? So, well, Brad Richardson, he's not a rookie. 36. No. He's gone. See ya. He won't be protected. By the way, we have Philip Tomasino, who is yet to play, coming in as a centerman. Highly, highly rated. He, by the way, he made the uh, the NHL or the AHL All Star team. Um, That's a big deal, bro. He's huge. I he didn't actually even he finished that. like he finished like third in points in the AHL. He, he absolutely killed it. He is nineteen years old. Yeah, that's, nineteen that's years great. old. So you're going to see him next season. By the way, he's on an entry level contract. He's automatically protected eight hundred and ninety four thousand dollars. Ellie Tovenin, entry level contract protected. $894,000. He's playing next year. Guess what? Rem Pitlick, who was very... He, he actually got good production and played really well towards the end of that stretch when we had a lot of the injuries. Entry-level contract, 847000 Protected. Matthew Olivier, 730000 Entry-level contract. Protected. <laughs> Yakov Trenin, that will be one that we would, I think, actually have to protect because he has two years left before he's a restricted free agent, and he has only $725,000. We have him locked in for two years. More than likely protected. Tanner Janot, who was absolutely a wrecking ball in the playoffs. Matt was loving every highlight from him. Just wrecking it on the fourth line. Entry-level contract, $713,000. So here's the deal. As the Preds. You are looking at a ton of youth at the bottom of your lineup that is already protected. So you leave a couple exposed, but at that point in time, if someone gets taken, like if it's an RV or if it's Ryan Johansson, you just freed up $8 million in cap space to go after somebody else. Well, like, And you're going to have the room. And there leaves the next question. It's, it's a one-two punch, really. You have the expansion draft, and you also have the room to make some moves in the offseason for what you did or didn't like exactly. for your roster during last year. Exactly. Well, I, I think to my point is, I, I think if you start some of these younger defensemen from the beginning, like David uh, Ference and also Fabro in, by the way, that would get rid of Ben Harper and Gubranson. <laughs> so if you started them, you're talking Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis, Matthias Ekholm, Alexander Carrier, David Ference, and Dante Fabro as your six defensemen. Hello, that sounds way better than what we were already starting. And then on top of it too, if you get rid of that eight million dollars on what like Joey yeah, yeah. or something, you now have the opportunity to, to go out and actually get a forward who's going to produce with the other forwards. Yeah, well, that's I think, what I'm doing. I, I think we said the same thing last year about the bottom pairing defensemen. So it seems to be swear, uh, replace that, one I, bad bottom pair for the next. But no, th but here's the deal: like they got two of them, and both of them ended up on long term injury reserve. And then on top of it, then he doesn't start Fabro. Yeah. So that, that's my thing is like, you should have started the other players. That's just where I'm, I'm at the sticking point. And if you want the youth, youth movement, put them in. Like, just do it. And then also start Tolvanen the entire season. Start Tomasino next year. Like, 
These are all young talent that you could be literally progressing and building. I, I, I don't know. I'm very excited for next season, honestly. Like, it, it, you have to be excited for next season, but there are going to be some significant changes. Oh, also, you do have to sign UC Soros. Love to see what that contract's going to be because he performed out of his mind this year. So, congrats. He's you know about what? to get paid. <laughs> he's about to get paid, and he's a possible MVP candidate for the season. And do you think maybe he got snubbed in the um, NHL awards for the Vesna? So, yeah, um, they announced the finalists today. It was Mark Andre Fleury, Philip Grubauer, and Andre Vasilevsky. So, two of these players, I think we are in unanimous decision, should have been on here. Um, that is Vasilevsky, who's more than likely going to win it, and then Fleury, who's been phenomenal this year as well. I'm going to argue Grubauer. Will his, too. his advanced metrics weren't as good as Soros is. There's been a lot of back and forth. He had a lot of wins. Okay, well, he was on Colorado. That team's been smoking hot. <laughs> like, that just is what it is. Um, I'm okay with the other two. I thought Snaros got sub, snubbed really hard on this one as far as just being a finalist. I didn't think Snaros deserved to win. Let me, let me correct for everyone out there. Not winning, but he deserved to be uh, one of the top three. And there's a lot of analysts too like Elliot Freeman uh, Pierre Lebron there was a uh, I think it was one of the Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Athletic Athletic. I mean like by the way (laughs) they're not biased towards Nashville okay at all Um, the Pittsburgh analysts so that said it it was tough to see because he really he he carried the team for more than half the season and he was the best goaltender for more than half the season Um, and I think to Matt's point Matt did you say he actually showed up on heart ballot trophies And I, I thought I alluded to that in a previous episode. Yeah, and uh, I will mention he did have a higher save percentage than Grubauer as yeah. well. So you're exactly right. Yeah, uh, I don't know about snubbed, but uh, he certainly doesn't have as much name recognition going on throughout exactly. the yeah. league as as Grubauer or the Colorado. You know, it's being how dominant they are. And well, I've always thought these were a little biased because let's let's say for example that Colorado got bounced from the playoffs and Nashville was still in. And I guarantee you that Cyril would probably be up on this list. Yeah, I don't know when this vote was taking place, though. And this is NHL GMs. So you got to take that into to account. Kind of like what Matt was saying. I don't... Colorado's so, going to get more national yeah. coverage. And then he got more na- coverage than... You, you see what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. It's and one honestly, of those- Soros hasn't even been a starter in his crease for like more than a year and a half. So he doesn't have a whole lot of name recognition either, both ways. So Yeah, but, but if you're a GM, you have to be able to look at that and go, man, that is... Worthy of a nod, at least. Yeah, yeah, but once again, too, those GMs aren't. It, it's tough pickings, though. You're you're arguing about one spot, though. I mean, obviously, Flurry and Vasilevsky are kind of perennials on this list, so it's going to be one of their two ball games for sure. Yeah. I'd like to see Flurry get the nod, you know, you know, as he's kind of tailored off his career there. But uh, I think Vasi's going to uh, win. Yeah. Vasi has all the metrics too this year. Like yes. that, like. It's Vasilevsky's to lose this year, but like I said, I, I just really wish Soros would have gotten the nomination for what he did for the team to, like, I, I mean, he carried the team into the playoffs. Like, we are not in the playoffs without him, and to sure. Matt's point, there's a reason why he showed up on heart, I, I mean, he actually was on MVP ballots. I think this is just one of those points where you can just take a note of it, and it's just paying it forward to the future, so when we're having this discussion about what Soros done lately in the last two or three years, when we're having a Vesna finalist conversation, and it's the second or third time he's been mentioned, then you'll start seeing him garner a little more national attention, so it's at least, it's exciting that he's on that kind of stage to begin with, so. Yeah, I mean, like, 
when's the last time too like you could say like well we had a goaltender and who won the the Vesna and then literally like a couple years later you have a fight like I, I mean yeah I don't, I don't remember what the standings or if they've released it who the Jennings award is this year that's the best uh, goalie and backup goalie combo but uh I think Nashville's been in that mix the last two years uh so it's at least good is at least looking good going forward so Matt county stats close it out yeah, actually, I've got a couple stats we'll mention as we wrap up a couple records, and we'll start with UC Soros. UC Soros happens to be only the second goalie since 1955 to post uh, back-to-back games of 50 or more saves. The last person to do that was my boy Cujo in 93 when he was playing with St. Louis. I was about to bring up this stat because I knew you were going to have it. Yeah, I mean, it that's, went under that's, the radar, baby. That's epic, That's another one of those uh, didn't catch national attention, but that's a big deal, man. I mean, what, was the first time since 50? Three? 55. 55. Yeah. Like that hasn't happened in 50, no, 70 years. Yeah. Uh, 70 years. Almost. Wow. And as we alluded to earlier, unfortunately, Toronto has now gone 6,250 days, 1,200 plus regular season games and 44 playoff games since they have last won a series back in 2004. And that is unfortunate. And we will also end off with another stat for you. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, some famous Owens. You had Owen Nolan, you know, hockey player. You got Owen Wilson, an actor, Owen Hart. And then now you had Edmonton Oilers, Owen Four. And uh, so <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I like that joke. <laughs> thought it would end on a light yeah, note there. Like, <laughs> Not done. a stat, but I was uh, waiting for it. So. <laughs> so, Daniel, we don't have no Preds games, but, you know, anything you want to add? No, I will. I will say this though: the Lightning are beating the Hurricanes right now again in Raleigh, one zero in the second. So if they take both the games in Raleigh, that's going to be impressive. So you might as well just pull the car around. I bet our friends at the Predvolution Podcast are probably losing their minds right now. Yeah, we'll we'll go hit them up after this. So, but guys, that's the show for today. Thank you for joining. You want to catch our show? You can find us on Penalty Box Radio's iTunes or on the Music City Gold iTunes. Until next time, we will see you on the ice. You've been listening to Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock, Daniel at Steve Dan Drum, and Matt at MattBain31. Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Music City Gold or Penalty Box Radio on iTunes or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.